So maybe maybe we don't put this in the in the film, but I actually never used to take deload weeks. You <laughs> <laughs> definitely put that in there. No way. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> Sam's recording. Or, don't worry, um, I've admitted to all sorts of terrible things over the years. <laughs> but now I do. I'm about to have my first deload week in two weeks. I'm very excited. For anyone watching this episode today, you might actually notice a little bit of noise in the background uh, from drills and impact drivers. Um, we hope it doesn't affect the audio quality too much, but we're doing a load of building next door. So we'll do a reveal on that very soon um, with some new climbing surfaces. And of course that will feature on our YouTube channel, but apologies in advance for any audio issues. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Ask Lattice. I have on the couch next to me, Coach Roz. Hello. This is your second session, isn't it? It is. I'm very nervous. Yeah. First one was uh, with Josh, which is already out on the channel. So go and have a look in the videos below. And what was the topic on that one that you did? Uh, I think it was just like an introduction to me. So you can find out all the information you need about me. Uh, all the gossip. Yeah. All the gossip, all the hot gossip. The flashes, the red points, the worked project grades, everything. Yeah. All the important stuff. Okay. Nothing about my general personality, just the climbing. Okay. Well, that sounds perfect then, because today what we're going to do is we're going to do hot topics. So this is kind of like um, the things that we see typically in climbers at the gym, at the crag or clients that we work with, where they're areas which we often tackle a lot of as coaches, where we end up almost just going around in cycles talking about these same topics again and again, because they're really important when it comes down to training or performance or recovery or planning. So I thought it'd be really cool for me and Roz to go through some of these, see some of the opinions that we might have as different mm -hmm. um, and go through those because we also have a different background in climbing as well, don't we? Yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, um, we don't do, well, I do a lot of track climbing. And I don't do a lot of track <laughs> yeah, climbing. <laughs> yeah. um, how long have you been climbing for? I can't remember. Um, probably about 20 years now. So it's been like most of my life. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so that is pretty cool that you like start off as a kid and I, didn't really have any idea that I'd probably still be doing it at this age, but it's nice yeah. that I still am. I still enjoy it, so that's good. Ah, so I think we've been climbing almost the same number of years then. Really? And just over 20 years. No way, yeah, that's but crazy. I started late. Yeah, I think it's better to start earlier, I think. Um, well, I don't know, you're still obviously really good, <laughs> but I think maybe it's better to start earlier because you get all that movement stuff in and you get all the moves in when you're younger. Mm. Um, I think it maybe helps in your later development. Yeah. But I mean, that's not to go and say don't start climbing because you're like over the age of 20. So No, no, you can definitely go a long way. Yeah. Um, that actually takes us to, uh, or perfectly sets us up for the first topic that I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and this kind of in a way relates back to, in some ways, the stuff that you had with your junior years and yeah. where you would have come into climbing is, what's your opinion? It's definitely opinion. Okay. Not fact. <laughs> My opinion. Uh, your opinion on the value indoor climbing mm. versus outdoors because we have juniors who often come through the indoor route for you know five or ten years and barely touch outdoors yeah but then we also have people that are trying to mix and match this blend between indoors and outdoors yeah so i definitely come into the latter ca category um i spend quite a lot of my time climbing outdoors and that's probably because when i was young I climbed a lot outdoors and I really got to love it and sort of develop my climbing through that. 
Um, but I was very fortunate to have a coach who took me outdoors from a young age. Mm. And I think you learn a lot of skills from climbing outdoors when you're younger. Like it really helps with your head game, um, really helps with your like technique and your movement because the, the climbing's not as obvious when it's outdoors. Like, you have to find your own holds and stuff like that. So I think it is really valuable to spend some of your time climbing outdoors. And I obviously love it. And I would advise everyone to do it because it's so much nicer being outside as opposed to just like climbing indoors in the gym all the time. And it sort of like separates it a little bit as well. So like separates your like indoor training to like your outdoor climbing. Um, but I can see from the other point of view that if you want to get good at comps and you want to be really good at indoor climbing, then you should probably just focus your time on climbing indoors. But I personally think it's a lot more fun to mix it up. And what was that uh, blend for you as a junior for like, like, I know you climbed lots outdoors, but was it a three days a week outdoors and one day inside or was it actually 50 50 how did that actual blend uh, look like and what did you get from either side or rather what did you get from the indoor stuff that you didn't get from the outdoors so i probably would climb outside maybe once a week on the weekends because it was a lot easier to go outside on the weekends and then maybe twice a week indoors um so maybe like that sort of split uh, i think you get a very different stimulus from climbing indoors and outdoors so the outdoor sessions were definitely a lot more chilled out. You probably don't do as much volume. You probably don't work at as much a high intensity, but you do get all of that movement skills um, that you that I think you get from indoor climbing as well. But I think you learn a lot more to like weight your feet, place your feet well, use the correct bit of your shoe, use the correct bit of the hold and stuff like that. Because the outside footholds are so much smaller than what you get indoors. That yeah, I think it's really great for that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I think. That's probably would be my one point that I would make over indoors versus outdoors mm. is the footwork skills that you yeah. get from outside versus in. Because I've worked with so many amazing junior comp climbers who've spent 10 years perfecting their indoor craft. Yeah. Like freaking very, very strong, very, very fit. But then you watch how they use outdoor holds. Yeah. They almost just sort of plonk, smear them on holds <laughs> just like very good holds indoors and they're not kind of towing in and really yeah. working the foothold to the maximum yeah and i think that and they're trying to hold everything like a half crimp they yeah. don't get the like different nuances in the different handholds and stuff like that yeah because everything indoors feels great yeah in a half crimp <laughs> yeah. and it's, well they've been designed by a, a root not a root setter but a hold carver to be comfortable yeah whereas outside i always feel like you get some quite weird holds yeah um i think the thing is is that most people if you've climbed indoors for a, a while when you go outdoors the first few times you are obviously going to drop your grade and it is going to be harder and i think sometimes people don't like that maybe it's like a bit of a an ego bash or whatever but i think if you push through that then you will like obviously develop your outdoor climbing skills and you will get so much better outside yeah yeah, yeah. um and Last kind of uh, thing on the indoors versus outdoors. Do you see with people that you know or you work with, uh, with their sort of training, a, a sweet spot between indoors and outdoor balance? Uh, you know, like, is there a point where if you're ch chatting to someone and they say to you, uh, every 10th session, I go <laughs> once outdoors. Yeah. I'm really struggling with applying my power. You know, like where's that sweet spot for you and your experience? Um, I don't, for me personally, I perform much better inside if I go outside at least once a week. And that is sort of the place where I use to 
I sort of like express my training in my outdoor sessions. So I feel like it's really good, like almost benchmarking every week for me to like try and go out and I'd like try really hard and see what I can do. And it sort of gives me the motivation to keep training in the week mm. um, to sort of have that, those goals outside, I find. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because that's um, not really answering the question about the clients, but <laughs> I can answer it about myself. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, this question comes from the context of that. Um, it must have been around a year ago or so where I was looking through loads of data from clients that we had that we were working with, mm. um, and I noticed that there's a certain kind of sector of the climbing community where, or, or people that we test and we see what finger strength they scores they have, for example, how strong they are in the upper body, yeah, and the way above what you would really kind of expect and you'd you'd typically class those people as you know almost yeah like mutant strong or underperforming to what we think their potential is and then I took a bit of time to actually go out and send people messages or chat on zooms to say could you tell me about your balance of indoors versus outdoors yeah and I nearly always found that all those people spent 50 days a year or less outdoors oh really it seemed to be like the the critical level so it was around once a week or less was just not adequate yeah. to allowing them to use it yeah. properly. I, I think it doesn't give you enough time to sort of express it, does it? Like, mm. it takes so long to sort of get used to the movement of outdoor climbing that maybe doing it that little is just not enough. Yeah, yeah. I almost wonder whether it's because if people are into both projecting and mileage, your one session a week or less suddenly just gets used up with projecting, so the amount of moves you get done... Yeah. Weren't a great deal, so you never learn anything outside. Yeah, and you, you just get good more. at that one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you need to like mix up between the projecting and the mileage. But I think some people find that hard because they they almost want to go outside to do their project. They don't want to go outside to do anything less, really. Yeah, um, yeah. It's all about the pyramid, though, isn't it? I know. I yeah, know that flipping pyramid. Oh, it's so good, though, isn't it? You just got to get yeah. that base, and then um, you can get to the top of the pyramid. But yeah. Maybe I should draw it out so people know what it means. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Well, I was working with someone the other day and they'd done over 108 Cs and they were wow. wanting to climb their first 9A. No way. And I was like... Well, I've got a good base. Yeah, I was like, that is a proper base. That's yeah. the kind of base where if someone comes, comes to me and says, I want to climb 9A, but yeah. I've climbed 108 Cs, I'll go, okay, we're in a great place here. Yeah. Not, I climbed uh, 10 8Bs, 1 8B plus, <laughs> you know, yeah. 1 8C, could you get me to 9A now? Yeah. It's a lot harder, isn't it? You've got a lot, a lot more work in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Blimey, 108 Cs. I know. I don't think I could name that many. It's pretty good, isn't it? That is well good, yeah. yeah. But yeah. European, so. Oh, okay. A bit, yeah. more, bit more 8C to go at compared yeah, to the UK. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so. Uh, Would you rather be an, an overachiever or an underachiever? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I would say, historically, I was an overachiever mm. compared to my physical ability yeah and I ended up in a status quo where I was constantly um I felt uh what's the word kind of paranoid that I just hadn't put the effort in because I was so weak compared to everyone else that's climbing the same grades <laughs> yeah so I was like I need to sort out my training yeah I'm gonna get really funnily strong. enough I've like gone the other way around now oh, okay yeah where I don't climb enough outside mm. and I work a little bit too much okay. because I just love all this lattice stuff and I just do too many hours. Love the grind. Yeah, so yeah. I end up having better metrics than what I should do for outside because I don't get enough mileage in. Uh, okay. But and at least it means that you could <laughs> <laughs> There's like no, no balance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, strange that. Yeah. Mm. Okay, next topic. Yeah. And this is one I think you're going to enjoy. Okay, really? And almost certainly have a strong opinion on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> is whose opinion in climbing actually counts for you as an athlete or what you encourage people that you're working with. And what I mean by this is, does it actually matter what your climbing partner says to you about your climbing and training? No. Does it matter what people say on social media? No. Like, where matters? Uh, I think the only opinion that counts is your own opinion, really. Interesting. Well, I, I think there's like a middle ground. I mean, I personally think that far too many people have far too many opinions these days and um, we won't delve into it <laughs> but I just think that essentially at the end of the day uh, your opinion is probably the only opinion that matters if you think that something is really impressive then that's that's great I think as long as you're not like cheating or like lying then your opinion counts but if you're like twisting the truth then obviously other people's opinion counts but yeah at the end of the day I all it's really hard because I think People post stuff on social media to get other people's opinions about when they do something impressive. Mm. But really, why do you have to share that with everyone else? Like, surely if you think that you've done something really good, then that's, that's the only thing that matters. Is that you, you're proud of your personal achievements? Mm. Is that the sort of thing you're going off for? Well, I don't know. I, I think um, me and you probably see this in somewhat of a different way because, mm. and it might be that we're very different personalities yeah you're very you always seem very certain to me and you oh. you know you know what you think <laughs> yeah. and you'll generally voice it yeah i'm a very soft muted character <laughs> who hardly ever put opinion across no um that's uh, not you <laughs> <laughs> no i say that uh for me i actually find that for my personality i actually need the opinions of others okay because i get so obsessive and mm. in a hole that I, uh, I will spin around my own ideas okay. until actually I'm not realistic on them anymore. Yeah. And I'll follow the same habits. And I found people like Ollie, who, you know, is my partner here at, at Lattice. Yeah. Is actually, because he's known me for so many years and he knows my kind of training and working habits. Yeah. Is actually his opinion is probably my most valuable okay. away from yeah. my own. Because I don't, I've learned to not trust my, my own anymore. Okay. Yeah. Because I can get so far down a rabbit hole that, you need someone to drag you out. Yeah. I mean, when Ollie says something to me, it generally really actually means quite yeah. a lot. And it means that I'm probably way off on a path. Okay. If he goes, Tom, I actually think that you're doing way too much volume. Yeah. Or that goal is not realistic for this time frame. Yeah. Yeah. It will pretty much be right. And it will probably be the opposite yeah. to what I'm thinking. So is he like your, you're like Jiminy Cricket, your like little conscience on your shoulder? Yeah. 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 Do you think everyone needs one of those? I think it's useful. Yeah. I would say um, my partner probably helps me in that way as well. But I think the problem is when you're like dating someone and they're also telling you that is that you generally don't listen to them as much. <laughs> I don't know mm. if anyone else finds that. But sometimes if he tells me something, I'm just going to be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that because you told it to me. Whereas if someone like you told me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll try that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's good to have like maybe a small group of people who you feed ideas back with and like listen, listen to. Um, but I think the, the broader the pool, it's like too many chefs, isn't it? The broader the pool yeah. of people you're listening to, the more diluted the like good opinions and ideas get like, well, they get more diluted. So yeah, I think it's good to have maybe a small group of people here. Actually, this reminds in. me of a really good game to play on uh, climbing trips okay. or an exercise to do. And everyone watching, you should definitely try this out. Um, it's just brilliant. What um, is it? Uh, I think I 
Is it got, Would You Rather? Uh, no, it's not <laughs> would, you, would You Rather. That's a great game as well. Um, is I think I read about it in a magazine years ago, is that if you're on a climbing trip and um, you've got four, six, eight people that are generally around that know you reasonably well and you're all you know in a campsite, for example, in an area, yeah. is sit down one evening or on a rainy day and everyone has to get a piece of paper and they score and they mark everyone else in the group on their top three strengths and their top three weaknesses. Yeah. And then you reveal and share as a group. So it's like a hive mind thing on all your friends and their opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just on your climbing or your general No, just on your climbing. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Not just on your human being. That could be, yeah, (laughs) that that could be be dismaying. Um, But they break it down. And it's actually really remarkable because I did it on a few trips years and years ago and I kept the pieces of paper. Oh, really? And if I reference back to them. Yeah. All the things that people told me were the things that I didn't really want to believe. Yeah. But actually, on reflection, were absolutely true. Yeah. Did you then try and turn those weaknesses into strengths yeah. and sort of like broaden out? Yeah. yeah. No, and I would good. think, I would say that was one of the bigger reasons why I actually went forward over oh, that 10-year period was yeah. because I went, oh, finally, okay, this many people have this opinion and they're all I saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think... It's great, that exercise. Yeah. Maybe we could do that at the Staff Social. Oh, today, <laughs> yeah. the staff party, everyone yeah. goes around and marks each other. Yeah, we could do that. It's interesting you say that because I feel that as a climber, maybe I don't do this, but I feel like as a climber, I do that um, personally, myself mm. quite a lot. Um, so I do a bit of self-reflection. So I'm very aware of what my weaknesses are. Um, and I do try and work on them. Um, but maybe it's just slightly different personalities in that I'm much more of a loner. So I maybe don't have those friends to like tell me what's, what's wrong with me and my climbing. Um, but I think it is a really important exercise that everyone should do is that try and figure out the weaknesses and mm. work on them. What were your top uh, worst three climbing attributes? Uh, so one was uh, power endurance. Oh, was so it? Like the mid range of actually just going for it for, you know, one minute. Yeah. All in. I'm yeah. actually quite good on very short little sprints. Yeah. Or very long drawn out things. But not that mid grade. Yeah. yeah. And uh, finger strength. Oh, was it? Yeah. Because you spend all the time in those cracks. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. at the time, I actually thought I had quite good finger strength because I tend uh... to do everything on vertical terrain. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was really good on standing in on my feet on vert techie edges. Yeah. But you're I'm... probably putting so much weight for your feet that you're not using your fingers. Yeah. Oh. See, that's good because I guess you thought it was a strength. So you would be like, oh, I'm not going to train my fingers so much. Yeah. yeah. And I see that loads of clients who do their mm. initial uh, sort of uh, feedback forms and things like that. And they say, I think I'm pretty good on finger strength because when I climb on really small holds, I'm really I feel good. great. Yeah. And I think they're missing that element of actually what you're probably are as a really good technician and you're standing yeah. well on your feet and you're positioning your body well. So typically your fingers aren't aren't and necessarily exactly. as strong as you think. Yeah. I guess that's why the testing's good though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Next topic, you ready? Ready. So next one. Yeah. Uh and we get asked loads of questions on this on social media mm. is what do you think a deload week can and should look like? So when people are trying to cut back from the amount of training they do for a week, mm. is it 100% rest? Is it going cycling and swimming all week? Is it still doing some intense work? Yeah. What's your opinions on what actually works when it comes down to climbing? So maybe maybe we don't put this in the in the film, but I actually never used to take deload weeks. <laughs> you can definitely put that in there. No way. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> no. Sam's recording. 
Or, Don't worry, um, I've admitted to all sorts of terrible things over the years. <laughs> but now I do. I'm about to have my first delayed week in two weeks. I'm very excited. Um, and I don't know why it was. Maybe I did have the delayed weeks, but I wouldn't know it was a delayed week. Um, and I'd maybe just go outside climbing a bit more in that week. So I, I really struggle with um, like the thought of a delayed week and the thought of doing less. Mm. And Like the concept seems more Yeah, boring. like it really... And I'm just like, I'll have so much more time. I don't know what I'll do in that time. Like... I just want to train because if I train, I'm going to get better. Um, but I have slowly come around to the realisation that deload weeks are worth it because you don't burn out on your climbing and you do get better. Um, so I think it depends on the type of person. So for me personally, my deload week is still still some training, but less volume, but still relatively high intensity. So maybe still like like a little board session or like some outdoor climbing or something like that. Mm. Um, just like sort of let my body recover, but like less than the normal training load. Um, for some people, they might want to have like a complete week off or something like that. But if I if I had a complete week off, then I'd really struggle the next week to like get back into the training. Yeah. Like I'd probably need like a deload week and then a slightly deloaded week and then a training week. So, um, but yeah, I think it depends on on what you're like as a climber, really. Mm. I'd say that um, for the vast majority of advice that I give out on deload weeks is to tell people that they should be less scared than they think on maintaining intensity mm. within your deload week yeah it's really about reducing load yeah and you can reduce that load through the volume aspect yeah um because yeah like i mean i'm exactly the same if i take out all board session fingerboard for a week let's say when i come back and back around to it again i feel so terrible yeah i feel so sluggish <laughs> yeah like i'm really off the pace yeah and i almost feel like i'm more likely to pick up an injury yeah in the first few sessions because i feel like my muscles are switched off, essentially, because yeah, yeah. I'm quite an endurancey person. Yeah. So maintaining, say, two quality fingerboard sessions in my deload week actually still feels like I'm still very rested and I feel great coming into that next bit. But I will cut out almost all of the aero cap and I might do like a half session of power endurance. Yeah. And that... Is... That's the most tiring one, though, um, yeah. I find. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, I probably do something, something similar and maybe complement it with a bit more outdoor climbing. Yeah. Which is still intense. It's probably still not a deload week, but I feel like maybe you go out climbing for a whole day, but you wouldn't do anywhere near as much intensity or volume as what you do when you're actually training for a whole day or oh, doing yeah, like yeah. so much more just like chatting and belaying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a time under tension. Yeah, and talking about people's opinions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 90% chat. 10%. 10%. And the 10% climbing is probably only 5% climbing and 5% sitting on the rope. So it's actually not that much time under tension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's basically a board session and falling off a lot. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah but it's outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's maybe that's why we like it so much. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. High failure rate is good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last one is um, on uh, quality mm. versus quantity yeah. in training and where you sit on that blend. Is quality more important or is quantity more important or are they the same or is there nuances to that? I think they're both important. I think I have probably moved from more quantity to more quality now. So I think I used to think the more I do, the better I'll get. But actually, if you if you do really long sessions and you don't like and you stop way after that, like sort of tiring point. And I think that's like actually sort of detrimental to your like strength games and stuff. So now I go for quality um, as opposed to quantity. Mm. Um, but there's probably still a fair bit of quantity in my quality yeah yeah. yeah. I would say 
absolutely identical to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's really hard because I think, yeah, I just want to, I absolutely love training and I just want to like, if there's a new set, I just want to go and do all of the new set and I get really frustrated if I can't do one. So I want to do that one. So I find it really hard to stop like mid-session if I'm still got like unfinished business. Um, mm. So it's almost like a like learning curve to like make me stop halfway through. And I do feel like I have got a lot better since I've started doing that in my sessions. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to get carried away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this one is for you, sport climbers. Um, listen up carefully because this is a quality versus intensity thing or quality versus quantity. Is when you're going bouldering, you want to make sure that your rests are good and you're not acting like a sport climber, you're acting more like a boulderer. So if you want good quality in that intensity, you need to be taking three minutes, five minutes, eight minute rests between good quality attempts. I see so many sport climbers trying a really hard boulder, kind of get frustrated, and then 30 seconds later, I've seen them pull on again, or one minute later. I mean... Yeah, guilty, I'll do that. Yeah, I mean, I do it. And I'm, but it's not good, you shouldn't do it. I know, and, I, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it drives me mad, because yeah. my mindset's so much in that way, I'm like, I'm comfortable being tired, or pumped, or powered out. Yeah. I just want to pull on again. Yeah, I just want to do this move. Why yeah. can't I do this move? I mean, I had a session on that board the other day, Yeah. and I was trying one move, and I must have tried it 30, 40 times in a row. In a minute. With about 15 <laughs> seconds rest wow. between each one. What am I doing? Did you Tom. then like go get a cup of tea, come back and then do it first go? After? No, I found an easier move. Oh, really? <laughs> That's the way to train. <laughs> Typical route climbing. Yeah. yeah. Or find a drop knee for it instead. And oh, this is a lot easier now. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's been great chatting to you. about. Well, thank you for having me. Hot topics on there. Yeah. Um, it didn't get too controversial, actually. No, I'll save that for next time. Yeah, no yeah. leaf blowers. No. Quadruple stacking of pads. <laughs> But that's all still fine. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget that for this channel, uh, we have loads of other videos to explore. Um, check out Roz's previous episode where she was on with Josh chatting through a load of climbing stuff. And also we publish this stuff in audio on our podcast. So if you enjoy listening to these chats on Ask Lattice, you can just have the audio version whilst you're driving to work or the crag or a weekend trip. And you can just download those on places like Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. So click to like, subscribe, go and check out the podcast and we will see you again very soon. <laughs>